0: everyone. It's um, great to be here today and I just want to thank uh, Gabby and Ruben for inviting me to speak today. Um, it's an honour to be asked to speak and um, and I really appreciate that and I hope I do them justice. But um, I just want to say uh, first up what a great job the team have been doing um, uh, through this whole uh, pandemic. Um, it's I, I have spent the last um two months uh, living alone so I haven't had much uh, face-to-face interaction with people at all and now I'm in a room uh, with a bunch of people that I recognize and it, it feels a bit strange actually uh, but, um, but it's great to be here and um, I just want to commend the whole team that are here today uh, for the work that they've been doing because you have been doing an amazing magnificent job under really hard circumstances and i encourage you get on facebook and message and you know you tell them what a great job they're doing because uh, at the moment we can't get enough encouragement so it's uh, it's really important um, that we do encourage our leaders so um today um for those of you that don't know me um my, uh, my name is Leanne, obviously you know that, um, but I run an, an organisation called Abolition, uh, which is an anti-human trafficking organisation. Um, so, so we exist to break the systems that keep people in slavery. Um, we, we've set it up in uh, Romania and now I've moved to Portugal. So I just moved to Portugal in just last November uh, to start working on it here. Um, so as... As someone that deals with human trafficking, I know the impact of trauma that it has on people and um, how trauma can spill over from generation to generation. Um, and today, uh, this, is, this is not my message, but this is something um, that I feel is, is really important to, state, to say because of the current events of this week. Um, you know, some words you say are really easy. You know, they come easy, but some words are costly. Um, and these words that I'm I'm going to say and share, they're costly words. They don't come easy. Um, they come uh, deep from my heart. And um, uh, what's been happening with me over the last two weeks, I've been, um, I'm doing a master's at the moment, and I'm doing this subject on uh, theology and social justice. And... Um, what we've been studying. So I'm I'm Australian. If you haven't picked that up from my accent, uh, but you probably have. <laughs> um, so um, in in Australia we have an indigenous group of people called the um, Aboriginal people. So um, they are, are a tribal people from um, and they were they were wronged when white settlers came to Australia. Basically, we came and took over the land and um, did it in the name of God quite often. Um, Now, 200 years later, these people feel trauma. They still feel the trauma of being separated from their land. um, And stuff that's happened generations before, they still carry it in their soul. Um, And this week in Australia, it was National uh, Reconciliation Week, which is the week we have a day um, in the year that only started just a few years ago uh, called a sorry day where we say sorry formally to the Aboriginal people for what the white settlers did in coming in and changing Australia. Um, but sadly this week as I was studying this, I wasn't seeing much come up on Facebook or social media at all. It was like we'd forgotten to be sorry. It's like we said it, we've moved on, that's it. Um now, this week, we also saw um, the horrible death of George Floyd, George Floyd. Um, an innocent man who was inhumanely killed by a police officer slowly extinguishing the breath from his body while he had his knee on his neck. Um, This has sparked an outcry across America and the world and has shone a light on the systemic racism that still exists in our world today and it's injustice for all to see. So I hope today in just these few short words before I jump into my message is to bring some reconciliation to people of colour who have ever experienced racism because that is not what Jesus came and died for. I know a lot of racism has come from the church or from things that have come from the church, and that is not what Jesus stood for yeah. um, so I as a white person from the West that was that has benefited from a lot of um, this injustice against certainly the Aboriginal people, but certainly the West has done things across the whole world um, I acknowledge that I do have white privilege, often at the expense of people of colour. I got to have a good education. I got to read storybooks about people that looked like me when I was growing up. I got to live under a government that is from my cultural understanding. I got to be a part of a church that depicted a Jesus that looked exactly like me. Now, while all those things make me feel good, for people of colour, that makes them feel excluded. I acknowledge that that over the generations I have benefited, I personally have benefited because of the violence that was formed against another group of people. So these are all the things that combine to support systemic justice. But today I want to repent for my role in that. And um, to people of colour, I ask your forgiveness as a white woman who now sees the trauma and injustice that people of colour face every day. I want to be part of the solution. And while I don't know yet, yet know how that will work out, I hope that this, me saying this today can be a start. Um, but I do want to commit to if I see injustice happening and I'm going to look for it now. If I see injustice happening, I will speak up about it. Mm -hmm. So as an ordained pastor, I want to apologise to anyone who has had scripture used against them to tell them that they were less than human. This is not what the scripture says. God said in Genesis 1.26, he said, Let us make human beings in our image, in our likeness. We are all human beings together. We are all made in the image of God, and we are all created. Whether we are black, white, or any other color, every person deserves to be loved and treated with human dignity. And I think, as the church, it's important for us to speak about these things. So, so let's um, let's just take a moment and pray. So, Heavenly Father, I come before you as a follower of Jesus, who stood for many people who stood for the outcast, who stood for the ones that others rejected. And God, we ask that we can be more and more like you every day. Mm -hmm. God, I ask that um, for all of the people in the world that are suddenly realising that white privilege is a real thing and exists, that, Lord, that you would help us to act on it and that, Lord, that you would help us to love our brothers and sisters as they deal with the trauma that this week has brought them. So, God, I thank you, Heavenly Father, that you are for each and every one of us and that you died for each and every one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So, today is Pentecost Sunday. Um, And actually, this morning I was in a, a meeting with four and a half thousand pastors from australia it was on zoom and it was a prayer meeting and we were just praying for the world and the nation because it's pentecost sunday so i was up very early at 6am praying this morning and um yeah today today is a good day today is a day that we celebrate pentecost when when the holy spirit came and uh changed the world Um, But some of you might not actually know about the uh, historical meaning of Pentecost. Pentecost actually existed um, before uh, Christ came. It was actually one of the Jewish festivals that were celebrated. Um, So so the Jewish people um, back in in, uh, Jesus' day were very agricultural people. Um, They lived by seasons. It's not like now where we live by the clock and the calendar and everything. They actually lived by the seasons, the agricultural seasons of the day. And if you read in Leviticus 23, uh, in the Old Testament, it talks a lot about how um, God built in festivals to work all around the seasons of agriculture. So so one of the the festivals was the Sabbath, uh, having a day off every week. Um, And, you know, I think um, through COVID, we're all learning how to do that again, how to actually rest Um, because we all got so busy, we weren't taking any rest. Um, but Sabbath is something that, that God ordained. And it's interesting because all of these um, festivals in the Old Testament are now paralleled in the New Testament. So you've got the Sabbath and uh, now in the New Testament we find rest in Jesus. But then they also had the festival of the Passover which was to celebrate the liberation of Israelites, Israelites from Egyptian slavery. And that is paralleled in the New Testament by Jesus dying for us to give all of us freedom. Then there was the festival of the first fruits. Now this was when the first barley harvest came in, and everyone would be would be praising God and thanking Him for um, for bringing in the harvest and and the season. So um, in the New Testament. This is celebration of Jesus rising again. So all of these festivals in the Old Testament point to new life in the New Testament. Uh, And then we have what's called the festival of weeks or some, some theologians call it the festival of the harvest. Now this is what Pentecost is. It was 50 days after the first fruits and that's why Pentecost is 50 days after Easter. Um, so so this is how um, it's replicated in in um, in the New Testament. So Pentecost at the time was a pilgrim festival. everyone made their way to Jerusalem to celebrate it. It was a day off it was party time it was a public holiday um, so it was the time um, of great celebration it was another harvest it was food for another another season coming to be and the streets of jerusalem would be clogged with thousands of pilgrims who had come to the come to to jerusalem to celebrate what god was doing and the bringing in of the wheat harvest so what i want to talk about today is what it would have been like for the disciples on this particular day of Pentecost um, when, um, you know, Jesus had died, Jesus had risen again and Jesus had gone up to heaven and a whole lot of things had been happening in the last 50 days um, that they couldn't really explain, that they didn't really have words to. And the disciples in this period were in grief. So often when we read this story in Acts, we think, um, you know, we read when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, we think, yep, they're all having this huge prayer meeting, they're all excited and everything. But no, the disciples were actually in a state of grief. They were going through so much stuff. If you think about what had happened in the last 50 days, they had been through... The ringer, that's probably an Australian term. (laughs) Uh, But they had been through all of this trauma. You you think about it, in those 50 days, Jesus had died a cruel death. Their leader that they loved had been uh, killed like a criminal. Uh, They had been following him for the last three years and now they didn't know what to do with their day. Their whole way of life had suddenly stopped. Their leader was gone, they didn't know what to do um, and on top of that, they had been betrayed by Jesus. Judas didn't, just protect, prepare, um, uh, Judas didn't just betray Jesus, he betrayed the disciples. He had been with them for three years um, and now he had put himself in a place um, against them and, uh, and um, held them up. And then he had committed suicide, so they would have been having mixed feelings processing that. How do you process someone that's turned against you and then suddenly died? You would have mixed feelings about that. Like you would be angry, you would be sad, you would be wondering what went wrong, you would be wondering what you could have done. You know, these are very human people at this time. Um, Peter. He would have been going over everything in those 50 days that had happened. He would have been going over the fact that his last interaction with Jesus was when Jesus looked at him and he had denied him three times in the rooster crowed. The disciples were, um, were so devastated that they just went back to what they did before. They weren't going around teaching. They weren't going around um, doing the things that they normally did. What they were doing? was they went back to fishing, and that's where Jesus appeared to them um, to say, hey, um, I am still here. And I love how he appeared to Peter at that time. He appeared to him with cooking breakfast on a beach and saying, you know, this this is really important, you know, I love you. And he actually asked Peter three times, do you love me? Because I think Peter needed to hear it. It's like... Yes, I love you. Yes, I love you. Yes, I love you, and and Peter needed to hear that because in his mind he was thinking about the time he denied him. So so Jesus starts appearing and bringing healing, which is really important. Um, and for everyone else, life had just gone back to normal in the rest of the world. Everything was back to normal. Um, But the disciples were still facing this whole world of devastation and loss. But in this time, God had been speaking little bits of hope, some which they understood and some which they didn't. So Jesus had been appearing to them for a period of 40 days, showing that he was still alive. Um, But also this cycle had happened, like Jesus had died they Then he started appearing and they got him back. And then he said, I'm going again uh, and went to heaven. Um, so it's kind of like this mixed feelings. He's alive, but he's gone. He's not with us. Uh, the world still changed. And they were still trying to reconcile that. Um, and so they start thinking about what are the things that Jesus, when you're in grief and when you're in trauma, you start thinking about your life. Like you have to start figuring it out. Like you. you start asking questions like why, why did this happen? And you have to start what I call putting a theology together for how you are now going to live. So they would have been going over all the things that Jesus had said to them in the past and like trying to resonate it with what does that mean now? Mm -hmm. So um, they would have said, like they would have remembered that Jesus has said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized you with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So there's some hope there. And while they didn't understand what it what it meant, there was a little bit of hope that God was going to do something, even though they couldn't figure it out. So it was like they were in this place of asking questions why. There's something going on, but I don't quite understand it. But, gosh, I just feel so sad right now. It's like this kind of um, strange place to be in. Um, so then they just did what people do in grief. You just concentrate on one thing at a time. So they just did the next right thing to do. So they started to get together and be together because there's nothing like being in trauma together with people that get you through. Um, so they started to get together. Then they decided, well, we need to find someone to replace Judas. So they didn't really know how to go about doing that. So they narrowed it down to two people and then picked up, picked, decided to pick Matthias by drawing um, a piece of straw out of um, a bunch of straws and basically whoever gets the short straw, that's 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 the person. It's probably not the the best way to choose a leader, but when you're in grief. <laughs> When you're in grief, you do what you can. <laughs> uh, and that's what they were doing. They were just doing the next best thing. And then because um, in Jewish custom it was customary to celebrate the day of Pentecost, well that's the next best thing we do. So here they are finding themselves gathered in this in this room, together in one accord. Um, um But they they were there in this feeling of sadness and grief. So they were just doing the next best thing. So then the day of Pentecost came, and I'm just going to read through the story uh, from, from the Bible. So I'm just reading from Acts 2, 1 to 13. You might have already read it previously, but I'm just going to read it out. It says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Now, again, as we see, they were together in one place um, because that was the custom and they had decided to be together because they were all united from grief. It wasn't like they were all together in one place with like, oh, yeah, let's go, let's seek God's spirit. No, they were too sad for that. There was too much trauma that had happened. They were still trying to work things out, but they were still together in one place. And then suddenly... When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. So these people weren't speaking. um, They were speaking the languages of people because if you think about it, all of the people had come to Jerusalem to celebrate Pentecost. So just outside their window were people from every nation around and then suddenly they're speaking the language of those people so utterly amazed they asked aren't all these people speaking galileans who are speaking galileans so these people don't know our language why are they suddenly speaking our language then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language um, now a few of these words are hard to pronounce so let's see how i go parthians medes and elemanites Residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Fariga and Pamphylia, <laughs> Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Christians and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they had too much wine. So I ask you, why didn't the Holy Spirit come straight away? Why didn't Jesus, um, why didn't Jesus ascend to heaven and then the Holy Spirit come straight away? And um, I think it's because they needed time to grieve. You know, we don't have to be super spiritual in how we view our Christianity because God understands that we are human people with human emotions and that we grieve. Um, They needed to figure out in that time what kind of people they were going to be. Mm -hmm. So suddenly when you're faced with trauma, um, you have to decide how are you going to react. What kind of person are you going to be? Are you going to react back in the same way that was thrown at you? Or are you going to um, decide who you were going to be? And so hopefully they were using that time of trauma to think through what kind of people they were going to be. They would have been going over everything Jesus had taught them and figuring out their theology. They also would have just been missing him so much. I remember um, the first funeral I ever had to do, it was for a... um, a man who was only thirty years old, and he'd only been married for one year, um, and um, and I turned up about ten minutes after he had died, um, and his brother just goes to me straight away. He goes, "I just miss him so much," and that's what happens with grief. We miss people, and we think about the things that we say. Like we we get really intense on what that person says because we're remembering them because we want to miss them um and so so all of the disciples they would have been missing jesus and they would have been thinking about well what would jesus do in this situation and they would have been thinking about it quite intensely and they would have been thinking and looking through all the things that he ever said to make sense of it and to help define how they should go so they had to figure out what they stood for and they decided to gather together in one place or in the new King James version it says um, they decided to be with one accord in one place so they decided to be together they had started to do the next right thing and when you're in grief you just take it one thing at a time and that's what they were doing. But they were in a position of hope. They were in a position of there's something Jesus has promised. There's been some prophecies that are starting to make sense now, but not fully make sense. There's something happening. It was kind of like you could feel it in the air, even though you, you were in grief. It was like there's some hope here. But then you've got to think about at the background of that. So aside from the disciples, what was happening in the rest of the world? Well, the rest of the world was going back to normal. Rome was happy that they got rid of Jesus, who they viewed as this political disruptor. Uh, The Pharisees were glad that they got rid of of Jesus, who they thought was a heretic. Um, But what the world didn't realise was that Jesus had ushered in a new era. So where Pentecost um and is a celebration of a change of season it's a change of season into harvest what had actually happened was that a new era had begun um a new the whole book of acts had begun um the kingdom was now ushering its way into the world now they were waiting for a political leader a messiah um but instead, Jesus was ushering in the kingdom of God. Uh, in theological terms, we call it the here and the not yet. It's the kingdom that is both here now, but still appearing. Mm-hmm. That's why now, when um, when we when we um, we pray, we see miracles because it's bringing God's kingdom to now. So God's um, God's view of um, of salvation for the world, involves reconciliation of the whole world. It's not just about people going to heaven. It's actually about the whole world being created. And that includes, um, that includes people going to heaven and people being reconciled to God, but it also includes the land being reconciled to God. And it also includes the government and the systems of the world being reconciled to God. It changes everything. Um, and that's that's what was happening so there was suddenly this ushering in of the kingdom that suddenly the disciples were starting to get so when the Holy Spirit came suddenly in that wind and there was tongues and fires, uh, tongues of fires appearing on their head, it was a declaration the kingdom is here, it's here, and we as Christ's followers get to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. So it's not just about what jesus is doing it's about we are now included in this kingdom and get to be part of it and get to um, do kingly duties and get set out on his behalf Um, so it's suddenly like this whole new world had ushered in this whole new kingdom had ushered into the world and the disciples could feel it that's what they were feeling uh, but now it was evident with Pentecost, with with the Holy Spirit coming in and dwelling in us, uh, that this was going to be something that we were all going to be a part of. So then, some amazing things happened. It's just amazing to see the change in the people that happens from this moment on. Because as soon as this, you know, people were saying, um, people have people made fun of them, and they they were saying. Um, They have had too much wine. Well, Peter, he gets up with the 11. It was like they all stood up together, like they were all ready to make sense of this and move on. God had given them the go-ahead. It's like they could all feel it. So they all got up together and Peter raised his voice and addressed the crowd and he said, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me tell you this. Listen carefully to what I say. So now he's speaking with great authority. And this was not the Peter who denied Jesus so long ago. He's go, he said, these people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what the prophet spoke. Because remember, Peter had been thinking about this the whole time. Peter had been thinking there were these prophecies, there were these promises, and suddenly for him they're making sense. So he gets up and he declares it. Um, and then he 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 goes through um, and to the Jewish people he explains, you know, this is what's been happening. These are the prophecies that are fulfilled. And then he says, um, you know what? Everyone who calls on the Lord will be saved. Uh, and he says some very bold statements which is very different for Peter because normally he held back but suddenly he's empowered by the Holy Spirit to speak. Uh, and he said, but God, this is Jesus, he said, but God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. See, Peter, he's suddenly starting to make sense of everything that's going on. Um, and then he goes through and he, and he talks about how, um, and he says like a very political statement. He says, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. It was a hugely political statement. In fact, it was the same kind of statement that they killed Jesus over. And the people were cut to the heart. And then they started asking, well, what do we do about this? And... and Uh, So Peter started the first evangelistic message ever. He said, repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Mm. So for all who are far off, every nation. And I find it interesting that at this time the Holy Spirit chose to make Uh, the wonders of god known to people in other languages god and the kingdom has a plan to reach the whole world and you could see it demonstrated on this day and on that day three thousand people were added to the kingdom which is just amazing in one day that suddenly people were convinced that this jesus was god and that he had died for them and they were cut to the heart um Now, coming coming to modern times uh, in this time of COVID or even in the last year, in the last year leading up to COVID, I know there have been so many great Christian people that have been going through a time of grief. I don't know if you've found that, but certainly um, I get to travel the world and speak in uh, lots of different church contexts in different countries and um, and when you do that, you get to see what God is doing across the world. Um, and I and I saw, say, for the last year, a whole lot of people who were good Christian people really trying to follow the call of God, going through really hard times. And I don't know if that was you, but certainly there were people in it. And you could tell because there were people like Christine Kane writing books called Unexpected, like how to deal with stuff that you just weren't expecting that knocks you. Um, John Bevere was writing books like "God, Where Are You?" Um, the anthems of Christian music in that in in the year leading up to the pandemic were songs like "Waymaker" and "Surrounded." You know, I will fight my. This is how I fight my battles. They were becoming the anthems of Christianity. Mm. And also, if you were listening to the prophetic world. There were lots of, words, lots of prophetic words coming up about there's a new, not a new season coming in. They were very specific. It's not a new season. It's a new era. Um, and this is like what was happening in the day of Pentecost. Things were shifting. And sometimes when we're changing seasons, um, we find it difficult to adjust to the change because sometimes we don't recognize the change of season. We don't see it, and but we can feel it. But we don't see it in our head, so we we struggle to cope with it. Um, but this wasn't just a change of season uh, in Pentecost; it was a change of era, and it was a change of kingdom. Um, for us today, it's it's like a change of era. You know, in you fifty years to become um, fifty years in the future, you know, kids are going to be taught at school about this pandemic and how it changed the world um so there's lots of new things happening and there's lots of things happen inside of us when a new era is coming and it's a much like how the disciples were feeling so we all find ourselves using our time to make sense of our life you know all of us have felt this way at some stage um during the pandemic and during the, the lockdown um we've been trying to build a theology for how do we understand god in this season like i'm sure you've been asking questions like did god do this what who did this um is this something that's happened like we're trying to make sense of it in our head how does god fit in this because suddenly the god i know wouldn't spread all this disease so how do we do this and i'm not advocating at all and saying that god uh spread or brought this disease but he's certainly using it um We're all looking for a reason for a way to explain, but still nothing makes sense. Um, Most people, uh, you may have experienced grief, so you may um, have experienced loss of jobs or income. You may um, uh, be far away from family. You may have experienced fear of death like never before um you may be grieving for what is no longer you know we keep talking about the new normal or when things get back to normal that's all grief talking as we're trying to figure out how we do things Um, you make plans then you change plans because they're not going to work and then there's the frustration that comes with that because you don't know how this new season works Um, so you gather together with those close to you and you try to figure it out and you just do the next right thing And this is how the disciples were feeling on the day of harvest. And here we are today on the day of Pentecost. So the day of Pentecost was a change of era. The world was changed forever that day. It was the day that the church was birthed and people became Christ followers. It was the kingdom of God entering the world. It was here and not yet at the same time. It was this world of... Uh, reconciliation of the whole world coming together. Um, The world at the time thought it was just a change of season and they were just going through the motions of going through the festivals. The Pharisees didn't see it. Rome didn't see it. But God was declaring a new kingdom had arrived and people were being added to it. It was a new era and suddenly the disciples understood it, empowered by the Holy Spirit who was showing them it and So 3,000 people were added to them that day. But what I find really interesting to me is that on the day of Pentecost, God gave people new languages. And they were languages for the people that were gathered from all over for Pentecost that day. They come in. This is not insignificant. God wanted to declare Jesus to the world. He wanted everyone to know and he wanted everyone included. I also find it interesting that through this pandemic, so many churches have learnt a new language, the language of the digital world. Like here we are today, not meeting together, we're talking on uh, Facebook Live. Um, And it's interesting because the digital world is the number one communication technique to reach people globally today. So it's like God, through this change of era, is giving the church a whole new language to talk to the world in. And um, and it won't go back to being the same. It, it will because we've learnt new skills. And um, I know talking to people um, before we started today, uh, there's already talk of um, how we how we do things when we go back. But how do we still keep what we've learnt from this time? Um, things have changed. Um, I find it significant um, that in this time um, we've seen this um this gross atrocity against George Floyd um, we see the system of racism racism being addressed in a major way like never before which in some ways is because of the pandemic that we were all on Facebook watching it or we were all on YouTube watching it um, and um this is the kingdom of God working out in the systems of the world. It's like God saying, no, this has got to change. Um, and he's bringing his reconciliation not just to the people but to the systems and the government of the world because the government rests on his shoulder. So it makes sense that God wants to change it um, because he's reconciling the whole world. So I find all these things interesting. But can you feel it like the disciples, maybe they were in grief, but they still have that little bit of hope. Like Jesus was, um, Jesus had spoken to them, wait, and something new is coming in a few days. And do you feel like that for us today? Like it's like God is getting ready to push us out into the world, to the world again. And we've learnt new skills in this time and we've learnt new things uh, and we've learnt a language in which to relate to the whole world. And I really believe God is doing a new thing. Can't you feel it? Like even in the midst of all of this, if you're feeling confusion, if you're feeling like you don't understand this period, it's a change of season. You don't have to understand it all. It's a change of era. But in that, look for the hope of what God is doing because suddenly the good news is going over the airways all the time. The church is being uh, shown on news shows. Um, People are more open to the gospel than ever. Uh, God uh, didn't cause this, but he's making use of it because he knows how to turn all things together for the good. And I love Isaiah 43, verse 19. It says, See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Mm -hmm. God is doing something. Rest assured he is using this time. There is nothing about a change of era that God won't use to work it together for good. Because he is bringing his kingdom to the world and we get to be a part of it. Now, if you are not yet a believer, if you don't consider yourself a Christ follower, you can be added to this kingdom today if you choose. Um, Just follow the words of of Peter, repent and be baptised. So repent just means turn around from your sin be baptized, every one of you, and in the name of Je- in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. It's just acknowledging that Jesus did this for you. It's not something you can do for yourself. He did it for you. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come and live in you and empower you to do the work of the kingdom and to to be brave where you weren't brave before and to stand up where you didn't feel that you stood up before or maybe to see things that you didn't see before. This promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. Um, So if you would like to follow Christ right now, Uh, Why don't you just repeat after me? Dear Jesus, I acknowledge that I have sinned by living my life my own way instead of living living it in communion with you. I want to leave that life behind right now and follow you instead. Thank you for forgiving me of my sin and for the gift of the Holy Spirit. I will follow you every day of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, and even if you got the words wrong or or you couldn't keep up with what I was saying, that's fine. It's your heart um, um, responding to that, um, that that adds you to the kingdom. So if you've just prayed that, congratulations. You have been added to the kingdom of God today. You are like one of those 3,000 people, and you are welcome to be in the church. May I encourage you to tell a friend today or contact Riverside and they'll help you to learn how you live this life uh, read the Bible pray that's a great guide um, so i hope um, I hope today for um, everyone listening to this message that you feel encouraged today that you feel um, that you feel that this change of era is not something where God has left you behind but he actually has a purpose for you in it and even if you don't have all the answers right now, that's okay because, um, because God is moving things on and, uh, and he is doing something and he is bringing his kingdom into, into the world and we get to be a part of that. So be encouraged. You know, the disciples were in grieving. They didn't understand what was happening. But but then God came and did something amazing. And we can expect every day for the Holy Spirit to be with us and ministering to us as well. Amen. Amen.